So obviously want to dig into the new album and talk a little bit about this crazy pandemic and talk a little music since we're all music fans. But first, I got to start off by wishing you a belated happy birthday. I know it was your birthday recently and curious if you got to do anything fun or see anyone or go anywhere or eat anything or drink anything for your birthday. How did you celebrate your birthday this year? (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You know, it was really like low key for my birthday this year. I think on my actual birthday, I didn't really, I went out for like Korean barbecue, I think is what I did on my actual birthday. And then that Friday, because my birthday was on Wednesday or something, Friday, the band like cooked for me and we had a little get together. And then this Saturday, I'm actually, this is an extended birthday, obviously. (laughs) This Saturday, I'm going to, uh, I'm going bass fishing up in Ojai, California. So, you know, that'll probably be my last hurrah of my birthday, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty chill. (laughs) <laughs> is that is that really the the dream though the the perfect way to spend your birthday is fishing? Pretty much. I mean, I'm so I'm so easy to please. I'm very introverted anyways, kind of like I'm an introvert but an extrovert at the same time. <laughs> so I like to stay home and like hang out. I'm kind of a homebody. So, you know, it's not hard to please me, especially with everything being kind of, you know, closed and half open and stuff. It was just kind of easier to just chill out this year. I hear you. I hear you. But I'm glad you got to do some fun and, and a little bit of an extended birthday. And obviously want to talk about the new album, album number two, Unstable. But kind of walk me through the timeline with you touched upon this as pandemic and everything going on. Was the album done when the pandemic hit or where were you at in the recording process? We started recording the album, or excuse me, we started writing the album in the beginning of 2019. And then what happened, we went in the studio October 2019 and finished February 2020. So the album was done like about a month before everything shut down. Wow. And it was kind of like, but it was enough time. Like I knew so many bands who had like already set their release dates and everything when it happened. So I was like, you know, while it sucked, I was kind of glad that like we hadn't quite announced everything yet. So we had time to like sit back and really see what was going on and what we needed to do. And, you know, after we thought about it, we realized like, you know, we kind of still want to put out the singles, kind of get a lot out of the singles and build a lot of anticipation for the record. So it actually, in a good way, made us get the most out of everything, out of the singles, out of the videos and all that that we had to do. So it ended up being a positive for us, which is weird to say, because this year, you know, last year sucked for so many people and it sucked we couldn't tour, but it still ended up being a really good year for us. And I imagine a lot easier this second time around. I imagine recording a lot easier, having having already done it on the first album. What, what was easier this time around for you? I think more so than just the actual, like, you know, process of recording, because we've been doing that for so long. But I think it was more so the confidence we had going into this album. Like with Freak, you know, that was the first full length that we did we tried a lot of new stuff we went to radio for the first time we you know we tried a lot some heavier stuff for the first time like there was a lot of things we did that we had never tried before so we were like oh we'll see how it works and after seeing that it did so well that we picked up on so much press and radio and so many new fans we had a lot of confidence going into this record that whatever we chose to do and whatever way we want to represent ourselves musically would connect with people and go over well. So I think it was more of a positive. There wasn't, you know, any like challenges or anything because like I said, recording wise, we've been doing that for so long. So it was really about like a mindset this time, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And how did you hook up with uh, Dave Otero? So it's funny, Dave actually record, uh, excuse me, he mixed an EP that we did when we were younger back in like 2012. So like a a long time ago, but we had never gone to him 
to actually record and work on a full album until Freak. And my dad had always been like, we would always go to different producers and all this stuff. My dad was always like, what about that boy in Denver? And like, we're like, oh yeah, Dave, yeah, he's cool. You know, (laughs) we were always like, let's go to this studio. But finally for Freak, we were like, you know what? Let's fly to Denver, do the whole process with Dave and see how it goes. And it ended up being, um, like I said, recording for me has always kind of been like an uncomfortable environment up until that point, because I'm already like kind of stressed out. Like you're already like anxious about what you're doing. So I need to be in like a really comfortable environment. We all do, you know, when you're recording, you want to be. So Dave was very comfortable. He knew how our band operated. He added a lot to it. Like he enhanced what we are, what we explained to him we wanted to be and how we wanted to move forward as a band. And he really kind of connected with us. So we wanted to go back for this record too. It was kind of a no brainer. I love it. And, you know, I've yet to see the band live yet. And I'm kind of curious since I haven't heard the album yet. Are there any songs that Josh doesn't play guitar on? Is there any is there any dream for Diamond to own all the guitar sounds on the <laughs> album and to maybe have Josh get out from behind the mic a little bit more? Or is it designed to kind of be like a two, like a Hetfield, Metallica, two guitar driven band? We're definitely like the the Hetfield Hammett duo. Like he'll always probably play guitar on most songs. There are songs where he might not play anything on a verse. Like so, the verse he kind of he drops out guitar wise and just sings, and I'm playing just the verse. But usually he comes back in on the chorus and then the bridge and all that kind of stuff. So he's a he's definitely a rhythm guitar player, and he loves playing rhythm guitar. So. We'd never take that from him. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to see the band live. And obviously, we have to kind of wait and see how that happens. But uh, just going through some of the tunes that that we have heard so far. And, you know, it's funny. I've been joking on the radio when I first got it. I'm not right. And I've always joked like, hey, I haven't been right since day one. And and these people (laughs) in Tetrarch totally get that. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, that song is, is one of those songs that came out kind of naturally. And, you know, we were, at first we were like, oh, man, how are people going to take this? It says I hate myself in it and all this kind of stuff. But it's crazy how much it's like resonated with so many fans and so many people. So I'm really glad that we uh, ended up keeping that song on the record. It's actually like my favorite song on the record. So pretty cool. So far, I've really uh, been digging uh, negative noise and a uh, fun video. And you got to play dress up and have a little concept behind it. Whose concept was that? Vicente is the director. Uh, he lives here in L.A., but he did our video for You Never Listen, and we wanted to have him back for Negative Noise. And we kind of gave him a vibe of what we wanted, like, you know, the kind of uh, vibe or image we wanted to portray with the video. And then it was kind of his concept that he took and ran with. You know, I remember when we were shooting the video, me and Josh are usually, especially me and Josh, are usually very, like, super hands-on with everything. Like, we want to our vision to come to life with every little thing we have a vision for everything but this video i remember when we were shooting it we shot it in atlanta josh looks at me at one point he's like do you know what's going on i was like nope i'm just gonna hope for the best and let vicente's vision come to life with this one and we were really happy when we saw we were like okay maybe he didn't know what he's doing you know but we had no idea when when it was coming together we kind of like i said we gave him an idea and then he ran with it was it fun to get all dressed up and put on the makeup and stuff Oh, of course. I mean, you know, it's long days. And the one bad thing was we recorded it uh, or we filmed it in Georgia at like a warehouse in, in uh, like kind of south of Georgia. But it was co- it was winter. So it was really cold and there was no heat in there. So, you know, we're in there all day just freezing. It was uh. so cold. So that's what made it kind of like, oh, God. But other than that, it was pretty fun. <laughs> I love the the solo in that tune, and uh, it almost looks like in one part of the video, you're you're smiling and having some fun with it, too. 
Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I guess that was kind of uh, something I didn't notice until I, I watched it back. And I, it's funny to see a bunch of people notice that, too. I was like, it definitely wasn't intentional, but I guess I was having fun. I do I do love playing guitar. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, kind of fun with it being so serious with the kind of storyline. And then to see you kind of crack a smile at the same time was a nice balance. There you go. I'll look at it that way, too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mentioned earlier, and, and there's always been this talk about you guys and bringing back new metal, and I've seen so much new metal talk around you guys, and I even saw a story that you did kind of listing, like, the most influential new al- new metal albums to you. But, you know, I think anyone can kind of rattle off those those obvious ones, the Linkin Parks and, you know, the Slipknot and all that, but I think it's more about kind of digging into those maybe second-tier new metal bands. It's almost kind of weird to think of Papa Roach as a second-tier, but there's so many great new metal bands that I feel almost get ignored when talking about new metal. Yeah, you know, it's weird because, you know, I have to admit that when, you know, when we were coming up, you know, obviously when I started playing guitar and getting into metal, Metallica is my favorite band, but I was into a lot of, like, you know, Megadeth and, and a lot of thrash bands and Ozzy Osbourne and all of that kind of stuff. But also, I was into, you know, like, obviously, what was huge at the time, the corn, Linkin Park, Disturbed, all of that. So, I wasn't really, I didn't listen to much of just, like, the, you know, the more B-list kind of new metal bands. Because, I like, I didn't consider myself, like, a new metal head. But, like, you know, I did love Limp Bizkit, like, and I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but, you know, it was funny you say that. I was in the car yesterday driving somewhere, and on my Spotify, the band Flaw came up. Yeah. And, like played some of the couple of songs one called medicaid another one is uh what's that big song they had it's called um i can't even think of the name right now but anyways and i was like this band's kind of jamming dude i <laughs> I was feeling it yesterday so if i had to pick one right now I'd definitely be flaw i guess <laughs> was it was it a hole or payback maybe was the, the tune you're thinking of no it was uh i'll actually tell you right now because i can just pull it up here it is get up again that's what it was ah <laughs> Yeah, they have some good songs, you know, surprisingly, and they're not a band you hear that, like, a lot of people talk about, you know, so. Yeah, love me some flaw and and, uh, still putting out new music and and still out there on the road, which is great to see and love it, loving this kind of new metal revival, but I kind of feel like your band is maybe split a little new metal, and I almost feel like a little, like, early 2000s Roadrunner Records. Obviously, the Slipknot, but even like Trivium, I always see you repping 36 Crazy Fish shirts and stuff. Talk about those bands and that era of music for you. That era of music was a big part of us and, you know, our influence as a band. You know, the Kill Switch Engage and yeah. Trivium and, you know, whoever else, the Devil Driver was on there at the time. There was a bunch of bands on there at that time. Um, Machine Head, like that was like a whole, that Roadrunner Records 2000s era was like a whole like culture kind of thing. It seemed like, you know, a lot of those bands were raining and uh, they were a lot of my favorite bands, that metalcore movement, you know, so we definitely take influence from, obviously I think our maybe dark and like melodic side comes from like kind of like those, that nostalgic new metal thing but also me and josh can write riffs and we can you know yeah. play leads and and you know we have, we sing and scream and all that kind of stuff and i think a lot of that influence came from that era as well with the with the you know roadrunner type bands and metalcore type stuff yeah it's almost kind of like you know seattle had its scene and then i almost kind of feel like that was kind of like the next big movement that early 2000s roadrunner bands yeah yeah definitely i mean it definitely was like the the 
the shift in heavy music that you saw, you know, at the time switching to like that American metal from, you know, from the 90s stuff and all that. So it, it definitely was an obvious shift. You know, we touched on touring a little bit ago, and obviously not a whole lot going on right now. So I wanted to, rather than looking forward, since we can't really predict the future, I wanted to kind of look back in the rearview mirror and touring and all that you've done. Who's been the, the best or the biggest or the pinch me moment for you touring thus far? You know, it's it's almost impossible not to have those those moments when you're playing festivals. So, you know, like when we played uh, Danny Wimmer's Epicenter Festival in uh, North Carolina, it was like, played that with Korn and Rob Zombie and, you know, Tool and so many bands, which was amazing. We played X- X-111 Festival. That was the last show we played, actually, before, and it was October 2019. Yeah. Before we went to the studio. Um, and it's a funny story. Like, I remember Danny Wimmer had announced some new festivals that he was supposed to do last year with Metallica headlining all of them. And, like, Aftershock and all that stuff. And I was I was in the car with my mom, like, the day before we played X and 111. I'm like, oh, man, I want to play Metallica. I want to be on this festival. And my mom's like, Diamond, you play with Guns N' Roses tomorrow? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. So, like, <laughs> it definitely... It's definitely really cool, you know, to do that. And we actually, like, had an interview at that festival, and the guy was like, you know, how would your 13-year-old self feel if you told him that you were playing a festival today with Guns N' Roses and Deftones and, and you know, Lamb of God and stuff? And I literally started tearing up, and, like, Josh had to finish the question, the answer. And I was like, wow. I never cry like that. But it was just a crazy thing because we worked so hard for that, you know, since we were – 11 and 12 years old we knew that's what we wanted to do we never quit we always stayed confident and just to actually you know have those moments and be sharing stages with those bands that you idolize as a kid it's always crazy you know it's got to be great too to to be able to look over at josh and be like dude we're doing this because he was that kid you know what i mean like you've literally grown up together you know what i mean it's not like calling your best friend back at home it's like dude we this is what we've been envisioning these are the bands we used to listen to on cd and now we're playing with them so cool oh yeah exactly like late nights on the phone talking about what we needed to do or watching the headbangers ball in my parents house or (laughs) playing the talent show in ninth grade all of that you know so it's definitely rewarding Last thing I got for you, and you already touched on it, and I'm glad you'd mentioned them before, and we're one of those old school radio stations, still does mandatory Metallica every single night at 10 o'clock, and I'm going to have you kind of co-host mandatory Metallica with me, so gush about your Metallica love, and then pick a tune for us to play. Perfect. This is right up my alley. No. Um, So I would say, you know, Metallica was the first heavy band that I got pretty much introduced to you know, Metallica's that band where everyone's heard of them before. So when you kind of start seeking heavy music, it's kind of easy to be like, all right, let's start with Metallica. Let me check them out. And what I love so much about them was that not only were they amazing musicians and wrote amazing songs that anyone could really, there was hooks anyone could really get into. It was like they were amazing entertainers. And I used to come home every day and watch like the Cunning Stunts DVD and their live, you know, their live DVDs. I don't want to cuss for you, but their live <laughs> DVDs, you know, from Seattle and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Binge and Purge. And like, yep. just watch them over and over and over again. And just like, learn how to be an entertainer and learn how to be a guitar player. And in Kirk Hammett, seeing the guitar player that I wanted to be. <laughs> so they instantly became my favorite band and stayed my favorite band because they taught me so much. I learned to play guitar 
regard to the Master of Puppets album, essentially, that's the album that I learned the most of in the beginning. But I will always have a soft spot in my heart for them. They will always be my number one band in my life because of just, I feel like they've done so much for me other than just me being a fan of their music. And Lars Ulrich is like my business, music business idol. So I feel like I connect with them on a lot of levels. But, um, you know, if I had to pick a song, you know, I always try to pick songs that aren't like the ones everyone hears all the time. Right. So maybe I'll try to pick one from Master Puppets because I love that album. And maybe we'll do like the thing that should not be. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, kind of a deeper cut from what I consider to be their masterpiece. I mean, there is not a bad song on that entire album. No, not at all. It's a great, it's a great, great record. And even like, like you said, the deeper quote unquote cuts are still really cool songs. Beautiful. Thank you so much for the, the time and the music. And hopefully I'll get to see you this year on the road somewhere. Hopefully so. I, I hope to see you sooner than later. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.